This is Hassan Akram, your host for Autonomous Vehicle Safety and Security Podcast, brought to you by Matrix. Welcome back to yet another episode of Matrix Tech Talk. Today, I have Kirsten here with me to talk about ISO SAE 2144. Kirsten, welcome to Matrix. Thanks for having me. So today, uh, we're gonna discuss a little bit about ISO 2144, its implications, status, and um, how can we take advantage of the upcoming standard to implement in our organization. So um, Kirsten, why don't you talk a little bit about what we want to discuss today with me and where do you want to start? I heard a lot about automotive security and the significance of, and of course there were certain incidents in the past, but the question is how will exactly this new standard help us um, improve um, automotive security? And what can we do in terms of concrete steps, how to implement it? This would be what I would like to know because um, frankly, the standard itself is well, in some certain aspects, a bit vague about how to use it and how to apply it. Let me start with the current status, how things are done now. So we have two standards, so to say. One is the A-SPICE quality for quality that is applied in the development uh, sphere today and the safety standard ISO 26262. Up until now, there hasn't been any standard other than the J3061 which is more of a guideline than a standard for the legislators to point to or to have industry across coherence standard uh, way of developing. So that caused some issues, issues such as inconsistent vocabulary, uh, company to company, lack of standardized interface, because when we're talking about a vehicle engineering, we're talking about if we go from tier tier one, tier two, tier three, about 3,000 companies in the supply chain. So we definitely need a standard. The second thing was the legislators did not have any um, standard to point toward that, hey, this is the minimum criteria you have to maintain. This is where we definitely needed something. Today, we don't see as many attacks in the car as there potentially can be. This is a statement that requires really a, really a lot of attention. This is really a very, very um, important thing to, note, uh, to, to consider. Today's vehicle, we use controlled area network or CAN. It's a fantastic protocol that we use for our intra-vehicle communication. And this is a standard that was built without thinking security at all. So today's vehicle that is out there in the, in the street, they are relatively easy to hack into. That reminds me, kind of takes me back in time when you know there's time of Windows 95, when we had MSN Messenger in the network, and it was so easy to sniff in what you're writing to your friend through MSN Messenger. If you, I don't, I don't know how old you are, but anybody of my generation who studied computer science back then probably have played with it or at least heard it because that was so easy to do. Now, if you look at, I, I would point you toward one of our YouTube videos where we show how to um, hack an ECU 
we show how easy it is to hack into an ECU today, sniff into an ECU, manipulate it, and reverse engineer it. So you can definitely ask a question, then why are we not seeing so, so much of an attack? The answer is the economic incentive today is somewhere else. The ROI of hacking a corporate environment or anything else is much more than the hacking a car. We have seen some ransomware cases in car and we have seen you steal the vehicle. Even if you steal the vehicle, you cannot scale it. If you cannot scale it, this internet criminal industry, it's not yet so that interesting for them. But this is what, what's gonna happen in future. The corporate IT infrastructure is getting more and more sophisticated and really, really harder to get into. So the criminal industry will look into other places where they can make their money. And it's just a question of time that people will systematically perform attack on your vehicle for financial incentive. That is one of the incentives. Even other than financial incentives, there can be political incentive, there can be emotional incentive, there can be other incentives to uh, attack your car. So just that it's not happening at a massive scale today, it would not be wise for us to think that it's not gonna happen in the future. This is one. The second thing is technology moves much faster than, um, than security. You roll out technologies, scale it, and then you realize, okay, we have a security breach. We need to make it secured. That's where your data gets compromised, your username, password gets compromised, which is bad. I mean, you're, you, you lose a lot of uh, privacy or some cases some financial losses are happening, and then you uh, provide patches. But when it comes to car, if you are providing the patches too late, you might not only lose your privacy and data and money, you might even lose your life. So that's why it's so, so important that we needed this standard and this standard is gonna help us to lay the first brick, the first foundation, the foundation for the automotive industry to build secured cars in the future. But is it gonna solve all the problem? This is unrealistic expectation to expect ISO 21434 to solve every problem, this will be only the beginning of the journey, not the end. If I understood you correctly, you are basically asking the industry to be a step ahead of the attacker. Because as you said, we, right now we're not seeing as many attacks as we maybe should be seeing, considering that the cars are relatively easy to attack still. Yes, we have seen a lot of attacks for, in a lab settings, like Charlie Miller's attack on, on, on Chrysler. These are all in a lab settings. Then we have seen the Audi TT scenario and many, many others. I could list a few. Fortunately, not too many of them at a, ma at a massive scale yet happened uh, from the actual attackers uh, with, a, with a real malicious intent. That's what I'm saying. And if I'm saying that if the industry should be ahead in, in, in ahead of the industry, well, in a sense, yes or no. I don't think it, technologically, it's not being ahead. Technologically, what I'm saying is the automotive industry still needs to catch up. Like I said, I mean, when CAN was developed, security was not even thought about. Now, we're, we're moving toward the time of uh, era of connected vehicles. So connected vehicle, in my opinion, came in three generations. The first generation is when you put your mobile phone connected with a jack with your car, that's it. You were connected theoretically to the internet and theoretically you could have been hacked and accessed from the, from, from the outside of the vehicle. The second era is what we are having today. 
your car has got an IP address, it's connected to the back end of your manufacturer, you're pushing back data, so you're connected to your infrastructure. And of course, you're connected to your uh, cell phone too via uh, Bluetooth. So the first generation has not been taken over, it's been amended by another layer of connectivity. So the third generation is gonna be uh, the connected vehicle car to X connectivity. So your car will not only be connected to the back end, it will be connected to other vehicles. It will be connected to the infrastructure, the traffic light, for example. So the car to X communication is the third generation that uh, we are leading towards slowly. This extreme connectivity can, will, will bring us security threats that we're not even thinking about today. The security threats that are open are hard to handle because once you have shipped millions of cars, once they're out there, it is very, very difficult to send patches for all of those cars, unless you have an over-the-air update mechanism, which most of the cars that we're manufacturing today have, but the cars that we shipped 10 years back will still be vulnerable. That's why in a technological sense, it's not being ahead of the, t ahead of the cyber criminal industry, it's more catching up. But in terms of their attention being not on the, on, on the car yet, yes, the, I'm, I'm, I'm telling the industry to be ahead of, uh, ahead of the cyber criminal industry. How exactly will the standard help us in bringing more attention to the issue of cybersecurity in cars? The, the standard will provide a minimum, minimum set of criteria. The standard talks about from um, corporate level security strategy to all the way to risk management, engineering a secured product, validating a secured product, to life cycle, security life cycle management. These are the things that a company needs to think about in order to make sure that they will be able to deal with the incidences that will be happening when the uh, product is shipped. So unlike traditional way of engineering cars where you ship a car to a customer, then you provide some um, after-sales services. Here, we're talking about a continuous development monitoring and incidence management. The entire life cycle of security management. Product life cycle management is one, security life cycle management is in peril, what's gonna go on. Actually, in, in certain aspects, this is very much similar to the safety life cycle. Um, so how do we implement this security life cycle for vehicles? It is similar to the safety life cycle, you're right. The only difference would be, which is a big difference, when you certify your product for safety, you freeze the code. The code is certified, everything is checked, and you ship it. Once your code is amended or changed, it needs to be recertified. Now, it's not only security. There is another standard or an amendment of the ISO 26262 it's called SOTIF, safety of the intended functionality. Even for that, you will need to send over the air update. I'm talking about the new objects that we see today in the, in the, in the street. We didn't see these objects five years ago. The autonomous uh, function part of the vehicle will have to keep sending updates for um, new objects, new road conditions, and all those. We'll have to keep shipping, shipping updates. So the idea of 
having a code certified for safety and never having to touching again is kind of obsolete. Yeah, we'll have to keep shape shipping updates. Now the question is, how do we certify? How do we test these updates? There are people talking about in-vehicle testing scenarios, testing systems, so that we, when we, sh when we send, send an update, we run the test scenarios inside the vehicle and test that if my update has some regression effect on other components or not. This is one way of solving a problem, but the problem is not yet solved. There are people are proposing certain solutions. So security is where you, you will be uh, discovering zero day exploits. You'll be discovering vulnerabilities that nobody has seen before. And in order to mitigate, in order to solve those zero, zero day exploits and vulnerabilities, you'll have to also keep sending updates. And that kind of contradicts with the current status of the freezing the cold because it's certified. We'll definitely have to work on this issue and come up with an idea of solving this problem. So I mentioned one is um, you, you built your test cases inside the vehicle, this could be one. Another approach um, is a layered approach. So you keep your safety relevant uh, code which you never touch or you should not touch as frequently as you'll touch the other set of code in one layer and you built another layer on top where you keep sending updates. This is another approach. But that would require of structuring the code and the functionality in your car according to certain levels. So what can be touched, what shouldn't be touched, what has implications for, for example, privacy violations, what can have financial impact. So how do you do that in a vehicle? I'll go one step backward and, and talk a little bit about what, when we say security, what exactly do we mean? You mentioned financial, you mentioned privacy. privacy. So security can have four kinds of impacts. One is safety, one is financial, one is privacy, and operational. You can simply freeze the operation of a car by an attack. All these aspects have to be taken into consideration when you do your risk analysis. You'll have to identify the threats. Stride is one of the one of the one of the methodologies that's been used, and the standard also the, the draft of the standard also points toward stride. Then you have to identify the damages, the potential damages that can happen for those threats. So you have to build a threat and damage scenario relationship. You know what threat can cause how many damages and how many damages can cost by which threat. And of course, in order to do those, you have to identify your assets. One example of such asset is your CAN messages, for example, in a par for a powertrain ECU. So if you can temper the CAN message of a powertrain ECU, you can manipulate the speed of the, uh, speed of the vehicle in an uncontrolled way. So that is an attack your can message is the asset and the damage can be life-threatening. So it's a safety impact. Obviously also financial inf uh, impact in a sense because your car will be uh, damaged too. The standard also suggests this kind of risk analysis based on threat, assets, and damage scenario, and then come up with your severity matrix. And based on your severity, you define the cyber security assurance levels. 
the CAL levels or a parallel of the ISO 26262 ASIL levels. So you have ASIL A, B and C and uh, based on severity and accessibility. You look at two things, accessibility and severity and you define your CAL. So this is what the standard suggests till now. What I think it's also important to consider is when you will be defining your cybersecurity assurance level is the knowledge of the hacker that is required in order to attack or cause certain damages. Whether it is possible for a strip kitty or is it, uh, is it, is it a nation state you require to, in order to perform such, such attacks. So this is how you have to assign the cybersecurity assurance level to your items or components or the software or the modules that you'll build and then uh, engineer secured system based on the criteria. And similar to ISO 26262, ISO 2144 prescribes what to do in what cybersecurity assurance level. In principle, this sounds pretty much straightforward, but um, I could imagine that it's actually quite a complex issue because of course different damage scenarios for example can impl uh, impact each other so once you have an operational damage it will also be a financial damage um, do you think the industry is well prepared to handle this type of complexity how do you how do you do it in your own company you have to write down the impl impacts whether it's financial you write down the financial damages whether it's operational you write down the operational damages of course operational is final financial it can also be safety right due to if it doesn't work you can you can injure yourself so you write down all those um, and then you do an assessment the assessment in a sense this is my risk and what is the cost of this risk for the attacker to really execute such damage and what is the cost of mitigation what is the financial incentive also for or financial or any other kind of incentive for the attacker and then although in security you cannot put a probability in safety you can put a probability you can put a number but safe security is something that you know you it's how probable is the attack you can't put a number theoretically you can't put a number but based on the matrix matrices that i've just mentioned you know the risk level the amount of damage, the, the attack path, how, how difficult is it? You have to also draw an attack path from where the attacker can come and do an attack. For example, the can message scenario that I talked about, it can start at your telematic control unit and go all the way to the can message. So you have to draw an attack path and find out how expensive in terms of computation cost or financial um, resources required to break into each of the nodes of those or edges of the attack path and then you have to come up with a number and you have to come also with the numbers that uh, what is the what is the severity what is the what is the impact severity of, of such an attack and then you have to make a decision what kind of resources you will put to mitigate it this is how it's done in practice. Wouldn't it be an idea to trap attacks um, during the attack path to see, to, to make an early detection of intrusions possible? To me, what's more important is how do I save my customers? This is, I'm always end consumer oriented. It doesn't really matter how secured I'm making my ECU. 
As a tier two company, we don't build a car. We only make the ECUs. So there's one way that we can just look at the ECU and, and deliver it. But we have to look at the entire picture when it comes to a vehicle security. We have to think about how to save the end consumer, the person who will drive the car. One thing is to make the vehicle secured, following the standard, and I call it the defense, which is very important, but defense alone is not gonna solve the problem. It's not gonna protect the end consumer. We have to go in offense. So I talk about offense and defense. And defense is, starts from when you engineer the product, uh, before SOP. You engineer the product, you do threat analysis, you, you do TARA, you do your VARA, you do security concept, you do security testing, and then after the SOP, the defense continues, you do incidence management, you, uh, you do intrusion detection, and so on. The offense will be the following. You create a honeypot to see, to invite the attacker and see what the attacker does. This is one. You employ an army of red team or hackers, ethical hackers, to hack into your system with the motto that if you do not hack yourself, somebody else will hack you. So it's better that you hack yourself first before the bad guys hack you. And then finding out zero-day exploits before it gets out in the wild. So these are the offense part of the equation. So only defense is gonna protect you only up to a certain level. Here's the thing. If a human being is able to build something, there is another human being out there who's able to unbreak it. This is axiomatic. If that other human being happens to be someone in your company, then you can protect your customers from being the bad guy breaking your system. That's the idea of the offense. Yeah, because as you mentioned, um, there may be a wave of attacks in the future mm -hmm. and just having a defense strategy may actually be too late because we're talking about risk to life here. Cybersecurity has to be taken extremely seriously when it comes to autonomous vehicle because autonomous vehicle is not happening if you don't make it secured because you're talking to people's lives here. So uh, for the first time, I will experience something in my you know, long experience in, in technology and security that security will be the enabler of a technology that will change our entire civilization in a way. This is, autonomous vehicle is a massive change for civilization. And this will be enabled by security and safety.